Well, good morning. In case you don't know who I am, I'm Barry Oaks. My wife Sheila and I attend the 815 service. And today we, I get the privilege to come to all three services. And you get to thank Katie for inviting me to speak. And thank you for singing along with the song. Um, I know we kind of broke tradition a little bit there, but I think maybe later on um, we'll kind of come back to that song and uh, maybe it'll have even a little more meaning. How many people make up a crowd? Ten? A hundred? A thousand? To some, a crowd can be just a few people. To others, a crowd can mean thousands, like at a stadium or a large rally. Sometimes the size of a crowd can be determined by just counting the people. Sometimes it's a matter of knowing the seating capacity. At other times, the size of a crowd has to be estimated. The most well-known method is the Jacobs method, invented by Herbert Jacobs. Jacobs was a professor at Cal Berkeley in the 60s and observed numerous Vietnam protests from his office window. He noticed that the area students stood on had a repeating grid-like pattern. He could easily count how many students occupied a certain amount of space. Based on the density, a dense crowd has each person taking up two and a half square feet, somewhat less dense is four and a half square feet, and a light crowd has them taking up 10 square feet. Once he got an average number of students in a grid, he could calculate the number of grids in an area and get a good estimate of crowd size. Crowds play an important role in today's scripture. Before we look at the scripture, will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to be together to worship you guide us and encourage us by the words you provide. Amen. Now in Jesus' time, a crowd wasn't very large. Most villages that Jesus visited only occupied a small amount of land and had a population of only a few hundred souls. Even the larger villages or towns still have populations of under a thousand. Nazareth, Jesus' hometown, probably only had about three or four hundred residents. Jesus typically drew a crowd wherever he went. People wanted to see him. People wanted to hear from him. And people wanted to be healed by him. Jesus has just returned to Jerusalem for a Jewish holiday. A Jewish holiday in Jerusalem meant there would be a large number of people. Inside the city was a healing pool called Bethsaida. Around this healing pool was crowds of sick people. Blind, lame, or paralyzed. Out of this crowd, Jesus focused on one individual, a man who had been sick for many years. Most likely he was lame or paralyzed. Out of all the crowd, why did Jesus pick this man? Was he the most sick? Had he been sick the longest? Was he an important man? Did he even know who Jesus was? From the scripture, we don't know these answers. What we do know is this, Jesus chose him and went directly to him. And Jesus asked, would you like to get well? And the man answered, I can't, sir, for I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. See, the reason there were crowds of sick people by this healing pool was the belief that when the waters bubbled up, an angel had stirred the waters and the first one in after would be healed. 
These crowds of sick people were holding hope to be healed by these miraculous waters. After the man's response, Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his mat and began walking. In the gospel, there are more than 40 meetings between Jesus and various individuals. In many cases, Jesus initiated these meetings by picking an individual out of a crowd. Some cases, the individual found Jesus in the crowd. Wherever there was Jesus, it seemed there was a crowd. In Luke, Jesus and his disciples went to a village, and a large crowd followed him. As they approached the village, a funeral procession was coming out, followed by a large crowd. A widow's only son had died. When Jesus saw her, he went to her to comfort her and then to touch her son, her dead son, and bring him back to life. Again, out of a crowd, Jesus chose one. Out of a crowd, a woman who had been suffering from bleeding for many years found Jesus and touched him. Jesus again, out of the crowd, talked directly to her. Jesus met a Samaritan woman by a well and spoke to her and comforted her. He touched and healed a crippled beggar. The list goes on. Jesus touching or speaking with just one individual. Now, all these individuals that Jesus met with were in need. Some with physical needs, healings, and others needed comforting words. We're not sure how he chose these individuals. If it was based on the most sick, the most in need of comforting, or the most whatever. We don't even know how forgotten these individuals might have felt. Where are we in this selection process? Do we, do, do we feel deserving of Jesus' touch? Do we feel deserving of his word? Do we feel deserving to be picked out of a crowd? Do we feel, do we feel forgotten by God sometimes? C.S. Lewis did after the loss of his wife to cancer. He called out to God for comfort, but sensed no reply. Confused, he asked, what can this mean? Why is he, God, so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? Scripture speaks of those who felt abandoned. From Ruth, we find Naomi, widowed and childless in a foreign land, where she cried out, the Lord has turned his hand against me. From Psalms we hear, will the Lord reject forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Again, I ask, where are we in this selection process? For me, my answer was not deserving. There are others who are worse off than me. There are others, their problems are worse than mine. So let me tell you how I found comfort for these feelings. But first, there's a few things you need to know about me. One, I love to listen to music. Any genre will do, but my favorite is contemporary Christian and then country. Two, I love to play golf and to practice. And if any of you have ever seen me at Pioneer's Country Club warming up or practicing and have spoken to me and wonder why I didn't speak back, well, did you notice my earbuds in my ear? Sorry if I didn't reply. I'm always listening to music. And three, I love to exercise. And again, my earbuds are in and I'm listening to music. 
And when I'm driving to the golf course or the fitness center or anywhere, my radio is tuned to K-Love. Now that we're clear that I love to listen to music a lot, and when I mean a lot, I mean I play golf or practice or exercise every day. And since I listen to mostly Christian music, I find comfort in the message from these songs. One song that inspired today's message and the song that has helped me is called There's Nothing Our God Can Do by Passion. We just sang along with this song a few minutes ago. I hope you were able to pay attention to the lyrics. And the lyrics that I kept thinking about every time I heard this song were just one word, you calm the storm that surrounds me. Just one word, the darkness has to retreat. Just one touch, I feel the presence of heaven. Just one touch, my eyes were open to see. My heart can't help but believe there's nothing that our God can't do. And just one word, you heal what's broken inside me. And just one word, and you revive every dream. Hearing these words made me think of all the stories, all the scripture that I've read, where Jesus did exactly that. He used just one touch to heal someone. He used just one word to comfort them. Jesus always dealt with that just one person who needed him. So when you're struggling, when you are questioning, where is God? Has God forgotten me? Has God abandoned me? Does God even see me in the crowd? You should not be surprised or even feel ashamed for having these feelings because you are not alone. Others have felt that way. For healthcare workers who identify as people of faith, the pandemic challenged them physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Dr. Jessica Price of Northside Christian Health Center in Pittsburgh and a member of Westview United Methodist Church had these same questions. When asked how she managed, she said, I have faith that no matter what, God is in control. God can handle all of my questions. Yes, God can handle all of our questions. What we fail to recognize or understand is how God's love or attention has no limits. So when you doubt, when you question, recall the stories that you've heard or read, the stories of those who felt forgotten by God, the stories of those like the man lying next to the healing pool. He'd been there for years, feeling forgotten, feeling abandoned, even feeling, I may never be healed. Along came Jesus, and he picked this man to be the just one. So like this man, we may feel forgotten, when we may feel abandoned or broken. If so, remember this. Our God deals in just ones. Believe, because you and I are just ones. Amen. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for being a just one God, a God who knows when we need just one touch, or just one word, a God who can reassure us that we are the just one he is looking for in a crowd. Amen.